Hello and welcome to your OnlyFans on the Perfect Hat Trick Podcast, where we talk more Euro 2020 matches and less over 18 content. Coming up on the podcast today, Belgium secured their place in the Euro 2020 knockout stages with a stylish comeback against the brave-hearted Danes. Played across for De Bruyne. He scored. What a strike. What a player. What a Belgium turnaround. And Netherlands also secured their place in the round of 16 after they brushed aside Austria 2-0. Now here's a chance for the young substitute, Marlick. Plays it square and it's rattled into the back of the net. Hello, hello, hello. The freight train's arrived again. But first up, why don't we start at the parking stadium in Copenhagen, also known as Kevin De Bruyne's playground, with a quick match report. Just two minutes into the game, a nonchalant flick into a dangerous area from Jason Denier left the Belgium defence scrambling, and Red Bull Leipzig striker Yusuf Paulsen capitalised on this error, finishing off tidily into the right-hand side of Thibaut Courtois' goal. The rest of the first half saw the Danes defend like Vikings and keep the Belgium's talented attack, including Romelu Lukaku, at bay. However, a massive momentum shift occurred in the start of the second half when, unsurprisingly, Kevin De Bruyne was subbed on for Dries Mertens. Just nine minutes after coming on, De Bruyne linked up with Romelu Lukaku to send three Danish defenders flying and sat up talking Hazard with an inch-perfect pass. Hazard finished off the move in absolute style. With the pressure building and many counter-attacks failing to materialise, KDB finally got his goal. A beautiful goal ended with Eden Hazard setting him up to finish first time into the bottom right hand corner of Kasper Schmeichel's goal a definite contender for goal of the tournament. Despite late flurry chances for Martin Braithwaite of Barcelona, Denmark were unable to equalise and now sit bottom of Group B on just zero points. Belgium, on the other hand, became the second team to qualify for the round of 16 after Italy and maintained their perfect record in Group B. So yeah, let's talk about some individual player performances from, from, uh, from Belgium. I mean, today it was a really, really stylish performance, obviously from Belgium the whole game. I mean, definitely in the second half. So the first half was... I mean, let's try and talk about some player performances right now. The first half, we can agree, Belgium were really, really poor. They struggled to get the attack into the game. Mertens and, and Carrasco were really poor. The wing-backs, including Hazard and um, and uh, Thomas Munier, really struggled to get into the game. The Dong and T. Lemons very, very poor in the midfield. And, you know, for me, like, seeing the left centre-back of Vertonghen and talking Hazard on the left wing-back, you have a 31-year-old kind of ageing former Premier League defender and you have a guy who's not comfortable in that role. It just looked like a, a, a kind of thing that was set up to fail for me at times. And, you know, it was it was quite poor to watch. Vertonghen was getting done a lot by, you know, Braithwaite was getting done by Poulsen a lot of times. And, you know, even the right wing-back of Denmark, Daniel Vass, was getting in a lot of times against Vertonghen. He had that header that he could have scored. And I just thought the first half, especially Denmark, after that goal from Poulsen, where Jason Denahe has just completely lost his bearing, smashed it. I mean, you know, slices straight to um to um, Pierre Mohoibier and he set up Braithwaite for the goal. It was it was really poor from start to finish from that goal. And I just thought from then onwards, Denmark were, were throwing a flurries of attacks, left, right and centre. They're really trying to get another goal. Belgium, you know, then they're ranked number one in the world. You expect a better defensive performance. But the more I think of it, I just see, De- I just see Belgium as a team that, you know, going forward, a lot of squad depth. Midfield, I don't think there's a lot there, especially in the spine of the team. I don't think... There's not a lot of players coming through, especially you see the Tongan and Alderweireld have been stolen for them for a lot of years, but 
you know, right now, it just doesn't seem like they're really up for it as much as they used to be. You see teams like England, you know, players coming through, you know, Ben White, for example, and then you compare to, De- you compare to Belgium. And I feel like Belgium really have gone past that kind of, you know, golden years. We saw the 2014 World Cup. It was decent from them. The Euros in 2016, the 2018 World Cup, all very, very nice. And, you know, this year, you can just kind of see that the team isn't really the same defensively in the spine of the pitch. You have Tielemans who's coming through, very good player. Leonard Dendonga, who, yeah, he's coming through, but is he the kind of quality you need at a team like Belgium? I don't really know. And yeah, for me, that it just lies in the middle of the pitch of where this kind of issue, especially Jason Denier, who, you know, right now, definitely you can see his experience is not enough to play in the middle of a, a back three. And it nearly costed Belgium in the first half. They could have been 2 3 4 nil down with a flow of attacks. I mean, you know, they played really well, uh, Denmark, and I thought they deserved to be, you know, further up. But, you know, when you don't take your chances against Belgium, it's going to happen in the, in, the, in, the, in the second half. And, you know, it came when I'm sure when, when the Denmark manager saw Kevin De Bruyne come off from Mertens, he was instantly, you know, on his knees, whatever religion he is, praying to any god up there to please, please don't let De Bruyne have, you know, all these chances and be on his A game. But, you know, just nine minutes after De Bruyne came on, the ball was smashed up. Romelu Lukaku ran through on goal. You know, Simon Kier was completely taken out of the game. Lukaku picked up De Bruyne, who, you know, took a side up. You know, any other player would have maybe shot first time. But De Bruyne took a side step, got Christensen out of the game, Simon Kjer and Yannick um, Vestergaard. And that set up perfectly for, for Torgan Hazard to come in. And if he missed on that, it would have been very, very questionable um, for Torgan Hazard. But, you know, he got the goal and fair enough to him. But Kevin De Bruyne really showed his class. You can see a lot of people are reactionary saying he's the second best player in world football. But, you know, I can't really argue right now. Obviously, Ronaldo for me is the second best. But Kevin De Bruyne being third place, definitely, like... No doubt in my mind that this guy has a star quality. He has the composure. He has the world-class ability to, you know, really dominate games. And you saw that from that goal, talking Hazard with the finish, like I mentioned before, and really, really beautiful. And, you know, even after that goal, Kevin De Bruyne's style, his class, it was just beautiful to see at times. And you can see why many people aspire to be like a Mason Mountain's player. Obviously, I've been watching for years as a Chelsea fan, and I want him to be exactly like De Bruyne and see... You know, this guy is a perfect footballer in the attacking third and I just love to watch him play. It's really amazing. And, you know, to move on a little bit to that goal, I mentioned a little bit in the match report at the before I started talking about the player performances. Um, what an amazing goal that was from Kevin De Bruyne. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. The first time pass um, at the start of the move, I don't remember who it was, start off Lukaku got the ball and he played it into, I believe, Tielemans and Hazard, who also, we'll mention Hazard in a bit, uh, played it into Kevin De Bruyne. That finish, that Finish, what a finish from Kevin De Bruyne on his left foot, perfectly arrowed past Michael. You know, his weaker foot outside the box, absolutely sublime to watch. And, you know, to come off the bench, despite having a really serious injury to his face, and to completely change the game against a team with such a strong spine of Hoybia, of Delaney, of Christensen, of Simon Kier, of Schmeichel. You know, what an absolute magical performance. I mean, you, you go to whoscored.com for this game. Kevin De Bruyne is 9 rating. Despite coming on at half-time, that's not easy for who scored. He was so, so stingy with their ratings at times. Kevin De Bruyne, this guy needs to take a, a big, big bow in front of Robert, Roberto Martinez, in front of everyone. And yeah, I mean, I mentioned the attack before with Eden Hazard and how crucial he was. That front three of Hazard, De Bruyne and Lukaku is scaring me as an England fan for the rest of this tournament. I'm watching this and thinking, you know, how can you stop this team? You have De Bruyne, who is the creative spark. He can do anything in the attack and third. You have Hazard, who obviously, in the system of the front three, doesn't need to do as much defending. So you can say it's perfect for him. You saw Antonio Conte playing this role. Absolutely amazing. And obviously Lukaku, who 
despite not getting a goal today, this guy influenced the game massively again. And, you know, the first half, Simon Kier had him on toast, but the second half, Lukaku came out and was, was the same play. He always is absolutely, absolutely stupendous from him and, you know, beautiful. And, you know, the second half, you can see instantly more energy from, from Kevin De Bruyne's introduction and absolutely amazing. Five dribbles completed from Kevin De Bruyne. And that front three looks absolutely dangerous. I mean, I mentioned at the start, the only weakness I can say for Belgium is that left kind of hand side with Vertonghen and um, talking Hazard. But apart from that, I see, you know, this this Belgium side is, is for me, I see that the, the third best side in this tournament, Italy, for me, that as a unit, the way they play is beautiful to watch. France, when I saw them against Germany, absolutely su- stupendous. I don't think there's many teams who can really top Italy and France for me if I watched, you know, thousands of teams right now. So, yeah, Belgium to be third is a big, big compliment for me. And yeah, I think fair enough to Belgium. They're through and they did very well. But Denmark, I feel a bit bad and they tried to do it for, you can see the crowd, 10th minute, fair play to the Belgium crowd to do it for Christian Eriksen and kind of stop the game. And, you know, my condolences still go out to him. He seems to be getting a heart fit device being fit in from at the minute. And fair play for Christian Eriksen. I think he will probably retire from football now, but Belgium really tried to fight for him today. You could see the players after break, after sorry Paulson scored um absolute scenes of glorious emotion. They really tried to hold on in that in that first half, but in the end, the pressure was just withstanding, withstanding. And when you bring on De Bruyne, when you bring on all these other players who were just world world class, Eden Hazard. Uh, I'm sure the Denmark manager was just crying by the time Hazard came in. He was like, "Oh my god, we've got Mertens and Kraska at the game, and you bring on Eden Hazard." You know, it's World Cup, not World Cup winner. It's Premier League double win now you're like what is going on like it's absolutely insane and you know fair play to Denmark the second half it was just too much for them unfortunately they're I still say they have a good team maybe so have a chance of going through if they can beat you know whoever they're playing in the final group game but unfortunately for them it is looking difficult for them now they lost to Finland off the you know I don't really count that game it was such unfortunate circumstances for Denmark um but yeah unluckily for Denmark they did lose the game and Belgium looked very very certain to go through and look big, big favourites to reach quite far in this competition, in my opinion. Next up, we go to the Amsterdam Arena in Holland with a quick match report. 11 minutes in, dynamic right wing-back Denzel Dumfries drove at David Alaba, where the latter ended up conceding a clumsy penalty with a clear stamp on Dumfries. Star man Memphis Depay stepped up and buried the penalty with a plum into the bottom corner. With Matthias De Ligt back in at centre-back, Austria really struggled to create any chances throughout this whole game. Michael Gregorich clearly was an unfit debutee for the suspended Marko Anatovic. With 23 minutes to go in the game, Depay sent Daniel Malin through on goal with an inch-perfect pass, but he unselfishly set up the onrushing Dumfries, who was arguably in an even better position to score. With the uncomfortable five-at-the-back system continuing to shoot Austria in the foot, Franco Froda decided to move their star player David Alaba further up the pitch. And it nearly paid off with a long-range thunderbolt sailing just inches past the top corner of the Dutch goal. Austria still appear in a decent position to qualify after last week's win against North Macedonia. But some feel that a win against Ukraine on match A3 is still crucial for their qualification hopes. Netherlands are now through with their last game against North Macedonia being all but glorified friendly. So yeah, let's get into these player performances for, for Netherlands. I mean, absolutely amazing today I saw them. I mean, the last game, I removed Dumfries, my fantasy team. I removed the pie because I saw this team as, you know, Dumfries, he gets the goals, but I just saw this team so leaky in defence. You know, De Vrij and um, the other centre-backs who were playing, there was a kind of a 25-year-old uh, Timber, that's it. He was playing in the right centre-back role. 
along with, um, I think Ake came on, but apart from that, uh, I believe it was Daily Blind, and they look so leaky at times. Ukraine attackers like uh, Stefanenko and Yarmolenko were getting in behind multiple times. Just think about that second header from Ukraine, um, you know, straight into the goal. Nobody was picking him up. Red course completely left him. And I just thought this uh, Dutch team under Frank de Boer, who did an awful job across the Palace as a team, that, you know, they are going to leak goals as tournament. That was going to cost them the system was so far from the CDMs to the defence. I just thought it was bound to happen. But I didn't realise Matthias de Ligt had such a big impact in the middle today. He was getting in and stopping the tackles we getting into the game. He was being tenacious. He was leading that team. He was, you know, unplugging the gaps between Wijnaldum and the, the Jong and the Ligt. And the way I see it, the Jong and the Ligt work so well. Ajax, they know each other inside out, where each other are going to go. When to drop deep to play it to, to De Jong, that's what the Ligt will know. Whether to play it long up to the pie and Redcourse. It was just really, really perfect, uh, the movement today. And, you know, Netherlands dominated the game. But it doesn't take away from me how good Denzel Dumfries was today. This guy is not even a right-back. I don't even see him defending at all for Netherlands. I just see this guy as a right-winger who stays so wide. He makes a run to behind. Just think about the second goal today. This guy is in the position that Vekos and Depay should be in. He's just committing himself forward and, you know, really playing that position well. Apart from Ashraf Hakimi, I haven't really seen a play this comfortable in that right-wing-back position. I think Dunfries, um, Dunfries, sorry, is just so, so perfect for this role. And, you know, I see him as a real, real threat for Netherlands going forward. Um, even for the winning of that penalty, he really smartly, you know, he saw Alaba committing and he, he moved the ball forward, which if you play Sunday League football like me, you know that when defenders stick out a leg, knock it forward, knock it left, even if the goalkeeper's coming out. And 99% of the time, you are going to win a penalty. Very, very smart from Dumfries. And, you know, he played very, very well against Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine, yeah, yeah, Ukraine in the first game. You know, he was making that runs. He missed a few chances early on. And then, you know, with 10 minutes to go, he scored a crucial, crucial header uh, coming up from the back. He scored headers, he scored sweaty goals, he gets forward. Um, you know, he looks at the full package for me and luckily my limitless expires next week and Dumfries will be back against North Macedonia to hopefully assist a few goals. You just know my luck that next week he gets North Macedonia, he's going to do nothing and I'm going to get nothing. But, you know, we move on. You know, I mentioned Delict a little bit. What a performance by Delict today. Uh, seriously, I thought he was amazing on whoscored.com. Only a rating of 7.5 for him today. You just look at his stats, 100% pass success today. Uh, it's not maybe something you think about a lot for a defender, but you know what I saw today was absolutely amazing. 100% tackle success. Another another stat from whoscored.com. Three clearances. Errol Jules won, 50% Jules won, which against you know players like Baumgartner and Gregor, it's not always easy. But you know, Delic did that very, very well. And, you know, to me, uh, I, for someone so young and he's gone to Juventus, he's had a difficult season under Drew Pillow. I didn't think he'd have this big of an impact. But, you know, I mentioned earlier, this guy's a real deal. And if Van Dijk was maybe there instead of Blind, uh, not Blind, sorry, a Daily Blind, then I think Netherlands really, I would have tipped them to finish higher. But still, I do see some gaps sometimes with Martin De Roon and, and Wijnaldum appearing. Obviously, Patrick Renard is not a world-class leveling back. He's going to leave gaps as well. And yeah, but apart from that, very, very strong from Netherlands. I really rate their performance today. And yeah, I'll put them up there as, as probably big, big contenders now to, to finish quite far in the tournament. My top four right now are Belgium, Netherlands, Italy and France. No doubt about it. Spain for me, not really there. Uh, Portugal, not really for me at the minute, unfortunately. I thought they got quite lucky against Hungary late on. And yeah, I'd say Netherlands did very, very well. Maybe another mention I kind of want to talk about is, is Woot Weghorst today. He was doing so well linking up with the pie. Honestly, this guy's a target man. It's spot on. And, 
you know, when you have a team with Depay, with Wijnaldum, with Dumfries, you need someone in the middle. That vocal point is going to, you know, link up with other players, bring them into play. You can't just, unless you're a very capable manager like <laughs> Thomas Tuchel, you're going to be able to get the best out of a different system. But, you know, you need a player like Red Horse in the system. And when he's dropping deep, opening up the spaces, it allows Dumfries to run up behind, allows Depay to run up behind. And, you know, Red Horse today is still low-key, a dark horse key player in the side. And, you know, he scored against Ukraine. For me, he's, he's, he's going to be one of the key players for the Netherlands in this tournament. And I don't really think that's to argue. I think Netherlands are very, very strong. And, you know, through to the round of 16, it's not really a big hassle for them. This group was maybe an easier group for them. But, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. They've done that. And, you know, fair, fair play to Netherlands. I, I do rate them now. And, you know, the last game was a bit sticky. And hopefully they can get me some more points my fancy next game when Dumfries and Depay make their weighted returns back to my side. Now let's talk about Austria. Um, now, yeah, I'm going to talk about Austria a little bit now. You know, one awful performance today. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to be honest on this podcast. I'm not going to cap and say Austria were good in any shape or form. I think, number one, the system, completely off. You compare it to Netherlands. These players are so comfortable in the system. Uh, the Austria wing-backs don't look comfortable at all. Uh, Lina, I believe his name is, he was playing there today. Not comfortable at all. Um... Step number two, I feel like what I'm wrong with today was David Alaba playing in the middle of that centre-back role. Yes, I understand it's a high line, trying to copy Bayern Munich, blah, 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 this and that. And you think Alaba was the key to that high line, but you know, Bayern Munich fans will tell you that he is not the key. Alfonso Davies is the key. And you know, Jerome Boateng, when he blocks them kind of tackles in the midfield, is key to this to that system. Um, yeah, yeah, very, very poor. I thought David Alaba should have played CDM at least to be in that deep line playmaker, even Cam, even left wing, even right wing. I mean, I mentioned the match report, that chance where he absolutely whistled it just past the post. He picked up the ball. This guy is supposed to be a centre-back. He whistled it, you know, top bins for a centre-back. Absolutely amazing. He's that key player. They should build the team around him, not just stick him in centre-back because you think that's smart. I don't agree with that. Number three, what went wrong today was starting Gregorich up front. Uh, I've watched this guy play at Schalke um, when I used to watch a lot of Schalke during the first lockdown in the UK. And... You know, Michael Gregorich is one of the worst strikers I've ever seen race the earth. And I'm not even exaggerating right now. You know, you could say he scored against North Macedonia. But, you know, I think I could score against North Macedonia. They look like a very, very poor side in defence. Um, I'm an average Sunday league player. And I think I could score a hat against North Macedonia. Gregorich doesn't even show for the ball. He can't finish. He can't hold up the ball. He can't dribble. He can't pass. You know, Mark Konatovic was a big, big miss. Even started that other guy who came on off the bench, um... Let me quickly bring it up for you guys. Uh, what is his name? His name is uh, Sasa Kalazizic, I think is his name. Kalazizic? Kalazizic? Yeah, that's it. Kalazizic. And, you know, even bringing him on because Gregorich is just not a worthy striker for this team. Number four is, what can I even say? Maybe the tactics today. Um, I say the midfield looked really weak. Conrad Lima playing there. Uh, looked really, really poor. Conrad Lima has been a guy who's not been playing much for Leipzig in the last six months or so. It's mostly been Tyler Adams. The midfield has mostly been um, Haidara. But, you know, today was just not the game for Lima. And I think the midfield was just overrun. Maybe switch to a three midfield, maybe, and just allow, you know, Kalazic and maybe someone else to run in behind. But, yeah, this is not the one. This whole system is not working for Austria. I mean, they beat North Macedonia, but this is just... Not going to go far. If they reach the, the round of 16 through a, through a third place position, which could be very likely at the minute, to be honest, um, any team will be licking their lips at Austria draw. There's no doubt about it. And yeah, I don't really think there's any key players to Austria today at all. 
Let me bring up the Who Scored graphic again for you guys. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this team. Maybe Schlager in the midfield and the Emerald. He was okay. Uh, Backman made a few big saves, I thought, at times. Um, apart from that, Baumgartner, I expect a lot of him. I've seen him at Hoffenheim. Very upcoming talent for, for them and nothing really there. But, you know, overall, Netherlands, really, really good today. I actually thought Frank de Boer was not the manager of Netherlands. Um, I don't mentioned it a few times. I thought it was Ronald de Boer, his twin, but absolutely insane that Frank de Boer is their manager. And, yeah, I mean, it's not looking great for Austria. But Netherlands, fair play. They're through. And, you know, I wouldn't say they're an amazing unit as a team, but individually, they have good players. The Lick is amazing. The pie is beautiful to watch. Ronaldo, is he number one there? Oh, no, sorry, he's number eight. But, you know, absolutely amazing for for Netherlands. But, yeah, guys, we've kind of talked about them two games. Obviously, there was another game on today. It was, um, let me try and backtrack, let me try and backtrack. Who else was playing today? It was Ukraine versus North Macedonia. I uh, could get into that a little bit, but we know what happened. Ukraine got the bear of North Macedonia. Not much to talk about in that game. But, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And I really, really hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can listen to our future ones. Your OnlyFans is, is up and going now. Uh, obviously no over 18 nudes or anything on here we just have full football content and you know i really hope you enjoy this series we're putting a lot of effort into this if you enjoy share like comment all this other stuff we don't even do that on on apple spot on apple and spotify but really enjoy and i hope you hope you enjoyed have a nice day take care